Hello, and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. No one can have a genuine, soul-saving encounter with Jesus and not be changed. I am talking about, right away, the desire changes, and then the beginning of actions to change, and over time, the actions continue to change. I often illustrate it this way by saying in our spiritual life there are two measuring meters uh, and each of them are a scale of 1 to 10 and on the 1 meter it's the desire meter and on a scale of 1 to 10 when we come to Jesus that desire begins bumping 10 right away. But the other meter is the action meter, and the action meter uh, changes over a period of time. So it may go from a 1 to a 3 to a 5. It is part of our spiritual growth, and we don't ever bump 10 on the action meter consistently until we see Jesus face to face, and we are changed to be just like Him. But I will repeat what I started this podcast with. No one can have a genuine soul-saving encounter with Jesus and not be changed and put into the process of changing. Well, right living, though, is not easy in this wrong way world. This is the 12th and final podcast in this series that I've entitled Right Living in a Wrong Way World. And we have acknowledged that this world, the world system, the world philosophy, the way the world thinks is absolutely opposite to what is taught in the Word of God. And so it is like a raging river. The culture of this world is like a raging river going downstream, and we who are Christ followers are walking upstream. We're countercultural. We're right, living right in, a, in this wrong way world. And so we've been looking at Romans chapter 12 over these uh, 12 podcasts, and we're talking about what God has to say about right living in this wrong way world. In the first two verses of Romans 12, we see an appeal, a call to living a God-honoring life, a life that is being transformed on an ongoing basis, a life that is growing and in this in their spiritual walk and Paul made that appeal when he said I, uh, I I beseech you I appeal to you based on the mercies of God on what God has laid out for you what God is doing in your life now make your life a an acceptable sacrifice and make sure that it is a life of, of service of worship to Almighty God don't be poured into the mold of this world but be in the process of being transformed by the power of God, by the Word of God. In Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, we see that we are doing this life together. We're not alone. Uh, God has placed us into the body of Christ, and God has gifted each one of us with a special gift. And that gift, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7, is for the common good. We are living right together. We are encouraging one another. We are helping one another out. Uh, in in this life as we all are walking upstream, as we are all living countercultural to this world system. 
And then in chapter 12, verses 9 to 21, the the balance of the chapter, uh, we are given some guiding instructions for living right. What does right living look like? And on the previous podcast, we talked about the first of those instructions in verses 9 through 13. Now today, in this closing podcast, we are talking about right living and the instructions that God has given us in verses 14 to 21. And verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Now, there's a tough one. Uh, I, that word persecute jumps out at me, um, and it is there flashing in neon lights, persecution, persecution, uh, being treated the wrong way. Now, here in, in the West, uh, in, in America and uh, other Western countries, we know very little of harsh persecution. Uh, there are exceptions to that rule in some ways, uh, but uh, in terms particularly of physical persecution, we know very little of it. But when you get outside of the West, you get in many other countries around the world. Uh, I may even be speaking to someone who is kind of uh, sneaking around on the Internet listening to this right now. And you know what persecution is. You know what it is like to live in fear. And you know what it's like to, to uh, deal with people every day that make fun of you or that even physically abuse you for your faith in Jesus Christ. And this is an incredible, incredible passage here that says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't give it back to them. And that reminds me of a verse that uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, where Jesus on the, in the Sermon on the Mount said this, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine uh, saying to that person in that uh, far off country, or it may be your very own country where uh, you're extremely restricted and you're not supposed to uh, put your faith in Jesus out there. And if they find out, they're going to beat you or throw you in jail. And and can you imagine uh, Jesus saying, love those who beat you? It's not about liking what they do, liking where they're at, but it is a godly love. A love that only can come from God that says, look, Jesus died for you. You too can know this precious forgiveness and this precious relationship that I have. That's blessing those um, who who persecute you and not cursing them. And here in, in, in my country, in the United States of America, we need to listen up and we need to be be more like this and learn to love our enemies um, and, and learn to care about those who are on the opposite side of the fence, who do not know Jesus Christ yet as their personal Lord and Savior. Well, the next verse says this in verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, there's, there's another one. That's called empathy. Uh, not sympathy, but empathy, empathizing, putting yourself in their shoes. I have told this illustration before. There was a time when uh, when when uh, our children were being born, and I we, I have five five children, and I was in every one of their births. Um, I actually watched the natural birthing process as their mother gave birth to them, 
And uh, on number three, on the third one, uh, my first daughter, my sister was in there with us as well. And the sister had gone through this. And I say that she could empathize with with my wife as she was going through the birthing pains, I could only sympathize. I could sympathize. I could say, oh, I, I feel, feel bad for you. But my sister who had been through it could empathize. She could put herself right, herself right in the shoes. And, and here in this passage, we're called to put ourselves in the other person's shoe. And so we rejoice with those who rejoice and we weep with those who weep. It, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 26, as he's talking about the body of Christ and how we're all members of the one body and interconnected, he says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so we're called to do that. You know, uh, I can think about this. Have you ever stumped a toe or banged your shin on something or, or maybe hit your thumb with a hammer or, or, or some other thing where there is that immediate pain and the rest of the body feels it? It's just not an isolated thing in that, in that member that get, got hurt. The whole body is sympathizing with it. And so we weep with those that weep, and we rejoice with those that rejoice. We absolutely are, are called to do that as well. We, we're happy with, for others when they're blessed, and, and uh, we fight those feelings of jealousy and, and covetousness and so on because God has called us to do that. And that's not only in the body of Christ. That would be with people on the outside too, people outside the faith. We need to be able to empathize with them in their uh, in their happiness and in their struggles as well. Well, the, the next verse, verse 16, says this, Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Now, there's one. Don't be wise in your own estimation. And so this whole thing of being of the same mind is is extremely uh, important. We need to hear what the Word of God says in James. James chapter 2 says this. My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there also comes a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blame, blaspheme the fair name by which you are called? If, however, you are fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And so there's some pretty strong language there about being of the same mind with one another and not showing pers- uh, favoritism. Well, uh, the, the next verse, verse uh, 17, the last part of that verse says, Do not be wise in your own uh, estimate. I'm sorry. It says, Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And that's an important principle as well. Uh, we should uh, respect what is honorable and what is right and, and live ethically. 
ethically. Ethics are important and the world is watching and we need to make sure that we're living in an ethical way. And then verse 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now, I know that it's not always possible, but basically uh, we're on our side of the game. We need to be at peace. Don't be a troublemaker. And that could apply very, very easily to social media in all forms. Enough said about that. And then verse 19 says, never take your own revenge, beloved. And and uh, that is an extremely important point. Verse 17, the first part of verse 17 says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone, but rather let God do it. It says, for, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In doing so, you heap burning coals on his head. Don't be in the business of vengeance, of taking revenge, uh, but let God take care of it. And then the final verse in this passage says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There's evil all around us. Again, the river's flowing swiftly downstream, the river of common culture. But we shouldn't be swept up in that stream. We should not be overcome by evil and and join in with what the rest of the world is doing. But we should overcome evil with good, the good that God has given us. Well, I hope that this series has been helpful, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to all 12 podcasts through the Romans chapter 12. And again, I pray that God will help us all to live right in this wrong way world. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.